On this episode of the Competing for Christ podcast, we hear from Pastor Ken Johnson, former police officer, football player, recording artist, and Indianapolis Colts chaplain. As he now leads a church in Indianapolis, Indiana, he travels around the world, around the nation, speaking and inspiring everyone he comes in contact with. Today, we're going to be discussing a lot of different things, including obviously his 30-plus year career with the Indianapolis Colts as the chaplain, some of his personal stories about just people leading people to Christ and just his time as a pastor, and we spend a lot of time talking about how Christians in sports can share the gospel through our play and on our teams, because this is such a big topic and it's so, we, we need to talk about it so much as this is our mission as Christian athletes. So just listen and learn because you'll find Pastor Ken is real, he's hilarious, and he has such great advice that you are not going to want to miss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today I have the honor of speaking to Pastor Ken Johnson. Pastor Ken, great to have you on today. Well, I'm humbled that you say you're honored. I'm just an old poor black boy from the hood, just trying to make it to heaven and take as many people as I can with me, bro. You know, ain't forgot where I come from. I just ain't forgot where I'm going. So thanks for what you're doing. We need as many forms like this that we can get to show positivity, to show up, to talk about our awesome Savior, to really just spread the good news that Jesus is the reason for everything that is wonderful and blissful and happy and kind and empowering. So I'm glad young brothers like you getting the job done with technology, man. <laughs> uh, man, Pastor Ken, I mean, it seems like you have lived 10 different lives within the one life that you've lived. So I don't, I don't want you to have to go through the entire journey, uh, but I would love it if you just explained your journey in your faith walk and through sports too. You know, at 62, I, I got a little bit a little bit to talk about, but I've always found that less is more. And so I guess the one minute before, during, and after uh, process of becoming a, a, a man of God and a pastor, you know, I was born in the hood. My mom was a prostitute. My dad was a heroin addict. I was born addicted to drugs. And for a long, long, long time, 18 years, uh, I just fought this this battle of where I come from and the duplicity of some of the sin and degradation that 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 was a part of my history. You know, my mom being a prostitute, I never met my dad. And so for me, athletics became that place that I went to retreat to find identity, purpose. And I was pretty decent. And so through athletics, I was able to get a, a scholarship to Tulsa University where I really rededicated my life. I had, I had known about Christ. My uncle was a pimp, uh, 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 a preacher, <laughs> and, a, and, and a pusher. So he lived duplicit, to say the least. But I did accept Christ. And the work doesn't return back void. And in, and in college, I just rededicated my life from living reckless and riotous. Met a woman who uh, uh, was uh, about five years my senior, and I was in the hood kind of trying to do some stuff, trying to be a pretty boy. And when I rededicated my life, I was with her at the time, and seven months later, we got married, and 40 years later, we're still together. <laughs> and so from that, after I dedicated my life to Christ, became a police officer, got licensed and ordained as a, a minister, and then 
uh, end up transitioning from, from being a police officer to work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in 1989-90. That's how I got to Indianapolis. And so when I got to Indianapolis, my gifts just began to make room for me, man. I, 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 you know, so that's, that's kind of like the, 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 they, they got me here. And what, what comes next is just like a whirlwind of like, I can't believe half of my story and I've lived it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That is such a crazy journey. But how, how did you, how did the Indianapolis Colts chaplain, chaplaincy open up? How, how did you get that role? Wow. It's one of those God stories that I, when I got here, uh, one of the kids that had left the Christ at Tulsa when I was uh, a senior, a guy by the name of Donnie D. He, he worked for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes now. And so he had got traded from Seattle to Indianapolis my first year working for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so the chaplain at the time was looking for African-American speakers to relate to some of the African-Americans on the team because not many African-Americans were coming to chapel. And so Donnie D, being a white dude, says, my pop, my spiritual pop is here and he's black. You need to have him come in to speak to the team. So I'm 29 years old, think I'm running the world. And I came in, knew Fred Young. I knew uh, 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 Harvey Armstrong. I played uh, ball with a couple of ball guys in, in high school. Man, it was like a homecoming. I'm 29. I look like a player. And so they had me speak. And like about 30 dudes showed up for chapel, man. And about 15 of them, about 15 of them were, were black dudes had never come because my homeboys were telling them. And so the chaplain asked me afterwards, would I consider coming back and being his assistant? And I'm like, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm called to work with no professional athletes, dude. They, they too prime. They just too stupid sometimes. And I'm like, and I ain't, I ain't here for that. I'm here to do inner city work. I'm here to work with inner city kids. And so he said, well, just try it. So I went and had a Bible study. And I said, I'm going to commit to one year. Bro, I did it for 30 seasons. 30. I, I still can't believe 30. See, never got paid, never took a salary. Uh, it was one of the most emotional and uh, uh it was, it was been hard. I'm not gonna lie. It's as, as as the before the Tony Dungy era, Christianity wasn't pretty really embraced, and I was I'm somewhat a radical Christian, and I'm pretty sure the only reason that they didn't fire me because they never hired me, they couldn't fire me because they weren't paying me. And I was volunteering, and the players loved us, and I was discipling tons of guys. I got tons of guys. We disciple Ty Glenn, Jeff Saturday, Peyton. Edge. I mean, so many dudes over the years, man, that are full-time ministry, Darren Gray, Transformation Church, uh, Tony McCoy, That's in, and then uh, he has a church in Florida. Man, I got spiritual sons in Dallas, Texas. I got Austin. Man, we got so many dudes we discipled, bro, and all of them working for the Lord. And so when, you look, when I look back and think, man, it, it's been like a miracle. It really has. When Tony Dungy got on the team— <sighs> It went. I went. For, I went like chaplain's heaven. It's like we. I did. I'm not gonna lie. He he just honored me. He just wanted to give me an office. Supported our ministry financially. Fifty thousand plus for the inner city kids that we work with. I have a non for profit called Emerging Eagles where we give back to less fortunate kids. Probably given in the life of it well over three or four million dollars. Not a whole lot, but you know, for dude from the hood. 
you know, over that period of time, we've given quite a bit back. And so, you know, we just started with some ideas of making a difference. And all that happened with the, through the platform of me being the coach chaplain. I was able to do a reality show. I was able to get hooked up with Promise Keepers, you know, singing. I, I went to audition for uh, like something that Promise Keepers was doing, and I didn't know it because I had sung at a uh, an FCA banquet, and Coach McCartney was in town and asked me what I come to sing for a group of about six dudes. I'm like, well, well, I, I, I guess, dude, you know, don't be too big doing little things. So I go, and these six dudes sitting in the front row, and you know, I had my first CD came out with Bill Gaither, and you know, I was trying to get it promoted, and so. Uh, so I sung for him, dude, and just gave a quick testimony. And I ain't going to lie. I was a little like, what was that about? These dudes, they asked me a couple of questions. And I'm like, okay, that was weird, man. I didn't sell no CDs. I didn't, you know, they didn't give me an offering. They just prayed for me and say, thank you for coming. Well, it was a search committee for Promise Keepers trying to find uh, uh, individuals who would come and minister because they love God and not for money. And if they had some skills or so. And so my first CD at the time, uh, I opened up with a song called Love You, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. And they just loved it, dude. So they asked me to come. I had to pay my own way to get there. I ain't had no merchandise table. I ain't had no promotional materials. I have nothing, dude. So I get there. I probably had about, you know, $20,000 worth of CDs all in these boxes that I had shipped. They gave me a table, <laughs> and I had no, I didn't have no cards or nothing, bro. I just put a vanilla envelope, a vanilla pad on the on my table. I sang, and I sold out all the CDs in like five minutes. It was five thousand passes at this thing, dude. And they all came back, gave me their cards. The next day, I sang for twenty two thousand men at the conference. I had no CDs left. I have nothing. I didn't have a merchandise table or anything. And from that one event. I got booked all over the country for about 10 years from one event, dude, one event. I came back and hired a, a marketing guy, promotional dude, and put together some stuff. Man, that dude booked me all over the country, man. All over, I, I went everywhere. Old poor black dude from the hood. God used to go all over the world proclaiming the gospel and the singing, all because he was faithful to go sing to six dudes when he didn't want to. See, God will make room. Your gift will make room for you, bro. Amen. And I'm a circular communicator audience. I don't kind of get linear. My wife, I drive my wife crazy because I speak and think simultaneously. So this is straight out the heart. I mean, nothing to pre-rehearse. This is just Ken Johnson being me. I love it. I love it. That's a wild, a wild ride. And I think you just, you hit the nail on the head. You were faithful, and even though you didn't want to go sing for those six guys, look what God did. Do that, and you you are where you're at today because of that. But I wanted to go back to what something you said. You hosted a show, a reality show called Match Made <laughs> in Heaven. Yeah. And for those for those listening, this is this was a Christian bachelor. How in the world did that come about? My son, who does most of my bookings and stuff, put one of these search engine things out that, you know, if you look, key certain words, well, so it was motivational, it was men, it was couples. And so this producer producer called my son and says, you'd like to interview your dad 
to be a possible individual on this this reality show called Match Made in Heaven. We're looking for a pastor to help this young African-American brother uh, find love. And, and they say, look for African-American pastor. So my, my, my son was like, well, he definitely covers the African-American portion. And they say he's somewhat athletic and he's coach chaplain dude. So they 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 sent they sent my son uh, a link said we we'll pay your dad five hundred dollars to interview him. I'm like five hundred dollars for interview? Well, let's set it up <laughs> <laughs> for an interview. Set it up, please. And so I just get on and I'm doing what I'm doing now. I was just myself. They asked me about what I about relationships, you know. I was telling about me and my wife. I was talking about the stuff we do with the counseling couples and the players. And, you know, I just ministered the gospel. And they say, well, would you be interested to come to Cali, to California, to do like a screen shoot? We'll pay you, you know, $10,000. I say, just send the ticket. And uh, <laughs> I think I, I think I can make it. I think I can make it for a day. And so, so, so I went down and did the little screen shooting thing, man. And and two episodes later, I was like, dude, I I, I can't believe I did that either. Like, I, like what? Like, man, they edited out all the Jesus though. They, I thought they made me look like a pimp. If you look at it, you know, they made me look like a pimp. Need <laughs> 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 to show no Jesus, dude. Yeah. I mean, I led girls to Christ, let talking to the brother, praying the prayer. Man, all they showed was drama, trauma, you know, fighting. They didn't show no Jesus, man. So the second, if, if you watch the second episode, it's like I did nothing because I'm thinking I, y'all tricked me. Oh. Like I thought I was gonna get to bleed. You know, y'all tricked me, man. I should, I, should, I probably shouldn't know thought that all thought about it, but it was really a good experience, and I walk away from it with some really good friends, and and uh, the the behind the scenes stuff was just awesome. God just did some wonderful thing with cat. I got to minister to people, love on folk, represent Christ in an environment that you very rarely ever hear his name proclaimed and talked about. And so we, you know, we we turned a positive into a negative. Don't get it twisted. They ain't trying to promote mm. Jesus. Yeah. I know. I, I saw that and went looking up your name and this just happened to pop up. And I was like, how in the world did he get involved in this? So that's a that's a fascinating story. But I want to go back to your Colts days uh, and the 30 years that you spent with the team. Can you take me through the game the game to game process? And I mean, you were part of the Super Bowl winning year. What was that experience like? Boy, I tell you, it it was it, it does mark the one of those times in your life when you look back and you think, well, that definitely is once in a lifetime type experience. You know, everybody don't get those type of experiences, but that that year, you know, most most of the weeks, like during the week, uh, when, when Tony was on the team, he he wanted me at the complex for Bible studies on Tuesdays. I had an assistant by the name of Eric Simpson. He's still there, my for a matter of fact. And Eric was like the systems guy. He was the program guy. I was more relational and motivational part of it. You know, I was at the Roughneck, having to hang with the brothers, the Edron James and, you know, the Reggie Wayne, all them hood brothers, while at the same time I was somewhat cross-cultural with everybody. And, uh, you know, we would have Bible studies at our home. We would have couple studies at our home. Uh, I was personally mentoring and discipling guys throughout the week who wanted to go deeper with Christ. I was meeting with them one-on-one, a lot, a whole lot of that, meeting with the coaches. And then we started a Bible study within the infrastructure of the organization. Eric pretty much led that part of it. I would show up motivationally. He was really 
the, the theologian, the more guy than I was. And I, I, I'm somewhat biblically grounded, but you know, these, this dude just was had that gift of teaching. I have the gift of administra- of, 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 of encouragement and exhortation and evangelism. And so, so we made a, a perfect couple. And then Sundays uh, before the game on Saturday night, we'd have chapel. And then, you know, we pray with Dungy and then, uh, and then the game at the game more of as, as a, I would say a figurehead of, of 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 what the Lord would perceive as the man of God's with us kind of thing, and so that 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 proceeded throughout the the majority of Tony's tenure, being on the sideline, hanging out with the guys, being available for counseling, brothers getting hurt through the season, being there, loving on their wives, and supporting them when guys get cut, you know that you know have a relationship with, loving and showing up and counseling through the next part of their life and the next team that they go to, you know, that's a whole lot of it, man. When, when your dream, you know, young guys, when they come on, they don't make the team and we're there as counselors and, and, and just, just advocates to say, you know, life goes on, your life's not over, you know, and then, you know, and then win the Super Bowl, you know, it's like, it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. But, you know, it, it takes a whole lot. And the Christian character that Dungy brought, the leadership of Peyton Manning and and guys like Jeff Saturday, Tariq Glenn, you know, those guys, man, really represent Hunter Smith, who represented a, a really biblically based mentality. Jeff Saturday that that particular year made a declaration. It was our year. It's our time. And Peyton proclaimed that it is our time. And to see that team come together, and it was all from the mentality of to glorify God, Tony Dungy, Never backed up from saying the main reason we do what we do is to glory, give God glory as a result of it. And if you look throughout that entire season, that whole season was predicated upon giving God glory. And so I can I can say we played a significant part of that. The highlight of that that year is a is a, a photo that was taken as we were praying. And if you look it up. Uh, the Lombardi Trophy is in the background, and all of us, and I'm in the middle of that prayer with Eric, the other the other chaplain, Tony Dungy, and we're giving glory to God, bro. And that 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 picture went viral, man. And and from that one picture alone, we've been able to. Ray Tony has been able to proclaim the gospel. I've been using that photo since that time, and it was all to give God glory, man. It really was. And I know people may be watching and saying, "Well, in God for on both sides, yeah, he is." I think God God is concerned about both teams and this preparation and this being prepared and this hunger and its you know desire to pursue and win and p- prepare and grinding and, and have a resilience. And so it ain't all about luck and favoritism. It's about you have to do the work. But at the same time, it's who you give the glory to once you've done the work. See, that's who you get you want to give it to the film manufacturers. These these individuals come up with the advertisers give glory to the Budweisers and give glory to the Pepsi and give glory to you know car agencies. You brand use your brand to to predicate and to give glory to, to to I guess to self indulgence and non essential items that don't make a difference in your life on the long run or a savior that is magnified and giving you the ability and the capacity to play the game and and to use your gifts and love and use those talents to give back to the less fortunate and and to help. The, the needy and and and, pro, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus and help to this world, bro. And so, who who you want to give the glory to after the result of you winning? Mm. And Tony Dungy was such a good coach, and not just 
on the field, but off the field. I mean, he gave back to Indy. He gave back. He continues to give back. I, I got more. I got more respect for that dude. He. I got myself tattooed as in the X Factor. No excuses. No explanation. High execution. High expectation. Have a get or done mentality. I mean, the first year that he got to the team, you know, uh, I was praying and fasting, and so, and when we heard he got he, he had got fired from Tampa, Tari Glenn and I and some of the brothers, we started fasting. Mm. And thinking, man, it'd be awesome if we get Tony, man. And so I'm getting ready to go speak in the prison. And I get a phone call. And he says, hi, is my picture Pastor Ken Johnson? I, I, I say, yeah, this is he. He said, hey, this is Tony Dungy. I say, Tarek, stop playing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, stop tripping, dude. I said, man, I ain't got time to be, be joking with you, man. I'm getting ready to go speak in the prison. Tony said, no, this really is Tony Dungy. I say, excuse like okay uh man man coach man like at this time i've been the chaplain for 11 years i ain't never had no coach call me never so now i'm giving i say coach you gotta forgive me but uh, i ain't never had no coach call me he say do you remember me i'm like yeah i i i remember you he said no uh i sat next to you at fca camp about eight years ago, I got your CD and your book, and 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 I, and I say, man, and I, when you spoke, I, you you made an awesome impression on me and my family. He says, when I found out that you, that that we were coming to India and you were, you know, I, I remember you was a chaplain. He says, I got to connect with you as quickly as I can because I got some things I like to run through you and see if you're interested in doing them. Mm. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. This. <laughs> I said, man, stop tripping. I said, Tarek, stop tripping, man. He said, no, this is really Coach Dungy. So I said, man, okay. So, of course, man, I'm like, I'm like, he said, do you have time to meet tomorrow? I say, uh, yeah. He said, well, it's early, too early for you? I say, no problem. So I hang up the phone. I'm thinking, I just got off the phone with Tony Dungy, man. I'm getting ready to go speak in this prison. So first thing I do when I go into prison is say, hey, man, you ain't going to believe who I just got off the phone with, man. <laughs> Tony Dungy called me, man. He won't meet with me in the morning, man. I say, boy, I know it's a guy. Boy, look at God, boy. I said, man, I was so excited. I couldn't sleep that night, right? I ain't going to lie. I couldn't sleep. I was so I was like ain't nervous, excited. So <laughs> I get up. Of course, I get there early. I sit in the lobby. Never been in the never never had been in the coach's office in eleven years, not ever. And so he bring me down, and so he lets me in, and I look around and say, "Man, this is the coach's office, huh?" He said, "You never been down here?" I say, "No, they never invited me down here." So homeboy, listen, dude, he kneels down in front of me, hands me some anointing oil, and said, "Will you will you anoint me for the job that God's called me to do?" Dude, I felt like a free slave. You know, when they let you free and you don't know what to do, like, okay, oh, 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 uh, uh. <laughs> so, so I, so I, I ain't gonna lie. I don't know what I prayed. I was in shock. Like, I was in shock, dude. Like, okay, Lord bless you. You know, I'm stunning my words. I, he, he picked up on it instantly, too, man. He's like, okay, I done blew this brother away. So I, I, stumbled, through, I stumbled through a prayer. And we get up, and so you know, I get, I pull myself together. He go pull, go sit behind his desk, and so it's like, okay, 
Okay, coach. Uh, uh, so, so he says, I got some ideas. So he said, do you have anything that you might, would like to want to do on the team? So I, I came up with this little list, right? Okay, you know, I, I, I didn't dream about some of the stuff he had on this list, but, you know, maybe going to some of the games, you know, having a Bible study with the players because prior to him getting there, you know, we had no, we didn't have access like that. We just didn't. And so he has me his list. He got like 25 things on there. Want you to travel, want to get you an office, want to give you salary, want you to do a study with the players and the coaches and the wives, want you to do a pre-service for the families. Uh, uh, I mean, he just goes down this list. And I'm thinking, well, my motto is don't take nothing from them that they can take from you. That was the first thing. And if you if they hire you, they can fire you. So I'm like, no, I don't want no office. No, I don't want office. No, don't pay me. Make a make a donation to my not-for-profit, and and I'll give it to the kids. And and then it's like, okay, I would like to travel, but I didn't even think about standing on the sideline. Like, wow, that's like a huge perk. It started out good after like after about about. 30 years, my back started hurting standing on the sideline. I said, I won't go sit down, dude. Like, I'm like, it wasn't fun no more. I won't sit down. But it started out exciting. I ain't going to lie. It was like, dude, I'm going to sign all these players, man. Go. Boy, it don't get much better than that. Parking in the tunnel, walking down. Oh, that's Tony Dungy, bro. All oh, that was Tony, man. You know, he supported us. If you Google uh, Ken Johnson and, and Tony Dungy Christmas party, you'll pull up some of the Christmas parties we used to do. Just Google Ken Johnson and Coach Dungy Christmas party. Bro, we touched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families, man. With all with the love of Christ and gifts and giving back, man. This dude, man, he 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 just my favorite Tony Dungy story, his first season here. And my my daughter used to keep his kids. And so so uh he used to drop the kids off before he go do chapel. We used to, then we did chapel in the morning the first season. And so he didn't come to, what, the first game, and that brain the drop dropped the kids off. So I went and did chapel, and uh, I was like, okay, uh, okay, uh, coach, what's up with the kid? He said, man, I couldn't bring him. He says, I want to take him. Uh, I want to uh, take him now after chapel. I'm like, excuse me. He said, I want, I want, I, I, I'm going to follow you back home. So I can take take my kids to drop them off at your house. So I said, well, coach, I'm going home and I'm coming back. I'll take them. He said, it ain't your job to take my kids home, take, take responsibility of my kids. That's my responsibility. I said, coach, I'm going home. I'm good. Give You got car seats? So he was like, no, no. So I'm thinking, now check this out. Homebook got like 12 different assistant coaches. He has uh, player individuals that, that on the team. He probably got 20 people he could have called to do it. He didn't even think about asking anybody else to do it. He didn't even think about it. He's like, I got time. I'm going to go. And, and then he was like, he thought he was insulting me because I wanted to serve him to do it. Then think about that. So I say, I talk him into giving me the, the, the car seats. So as we get ready to leave, he packs a little lunch because one of these kids at the time was one of the special needs kids that, has don't have this sensitivity. He said he's gonna be crying all the way. And so I said, Coach, you know, I got kids. I, you know, I'm good. So he packs a little lunch for the little kid, banana stuff. And as I'm driving off, he's wiping the tears away from his eyes, bro. 
messed me up, dude. And of course, as soon as I got there, be okay? Everything good? You good to go? Yeah, coach. I'm good, man. <laughs> but that, that was Tony, man. Servant deluxe, man. Servant, servant, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he... I've read most of his books, and he just embodies what it means to be a Christian athlete and a Christian coach. Yeah, and that first book, in that first book, uh, Uncommon, that story about me coming into his office is in chapter seven. Was it, when I was going to have you on the on the podcast, I was like, he was probably in that book. He like he Tony Dungy probably mentioned him. Um, obviously, you and Tony were such good witnesses to players. And I mean, that's basically what I wanted to talk to you about today is witnessing how can Christian athletes witness to teammates and I mean, pretty much anybody around us. So I'm just going to flat out ask you, how can athletes and anyone for that matter, witness to people around them specifically in sports? And probably the, 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 what comes off of the top of my dome would be uh, share the gospel at, at all time when necessary, use words, share the gospel at all times and when necessary use words your actions speak louder than any damn thing you say watch your tongue love your wife when all this stupid stuff start jumping off and and they they trying to get you get you to go to the strip club when they trying to get you to floss and make it rain go home get in get in a bible study Get, get in a group of young men on the team that are dedicated to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and holding each other accountable to a standard of living that gives glory and honor to God. And then you let your actions give back to the community. Be an individual who, if you're married, bring your, bring your wife around. Get in a Bible study with your wife and kids. If you're in college and you're dating Honor that young lady with, and be above reproach if you're a Christian dude. Exercise restraint. Exercise discipline. Exercise moral purity. I have a, I have a list uh, that I do at the first of the year with guys. and um, I have a man, a, a man cave link every Monday morning, and, and we check in. And on our list is questions like, one, have you spent time in daily in prayer? Have you had any flirtatious, lustful attitudes, tempting thoughts, or expose yourself to any explicit materials that will not glorify God. Simply stay to stay off that damn phone. That phone will suck you in a hole and destroy your integrity and your character and get you hooked on all type of immorality and all types of things that will become subconsciously addictive to you and you need to turn it off. Have you been completely above approach in your financial dealings? Do you tithe? Do you give back? Are you benevolent? Do you have a retirement fund? Do you have credit score? Do you have integrity with how you do your money? Are you investing? Are you preparing an inheritance for your children's children? Are you more concerned about you know, the assets around your neck and your bike and your car, you know, all these non-tangibles? What are you doing to make sure you're going to have a future? Have you spent quality time with family and friends? Do you date each other? Do you love each other? Do you spend quality time quantity time, talking and praying together and loving each other and having fun. Do you do 100% best on your job? First one there, last one to leave, do one more than everybody else. First one there, last one to leave, do one more than everybody else. Do your job with excellence. Do your job with excellence. Don't, don't, don't settle for mediocrity. Do it with excellence. Have you told any half-truths? Put yourself in a better light to those around you. Be a man, a person of integrity. You somebody, you say somebody gonna do something, do it. I'm gonna be here at a certain time, do it. You say you're gonna give, do it. 
Do what you say you're going to do. Just do it. Be a person. So you're going to pray, pray, stop, pray right then. I'm going to pray for you. Stop and pray right then. Pray right then for them. Have you shared the gospel with someone this week? Live it. That's how you share it. Live it. Give to the needy. Give back. Just live it, dude. Live it. Don't talk. Don't say, don't say you're a Christian. Don't say you love God. Love people. Love people. You want to love people? Then they know you love God. How can you say you love me if you don't love your brother? Love your brother. That's how you're going to love me. That's how you're going to show me. We will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Have you taken care of your body through physical and daily exercise, proper eating and sleeping habit? Yeah, this is a temple. 62, still looking good, baby. 62. <laughs> That's right. I may be going, this shit may be going down, but boy, I'm polishing it all the way. What I do with my body, what I put in my body, I want to glorify God. Glorify Him. Glorify Him with what you do and, and be balanced. And this is my favorite. Have you, no, that's not my favorite. This is, my, this is the one I struggle with the most. Have you allowed any personal circumstances to rob you of your joy? Dude, watch your temper, dude. Ooh, man, we programmed. And as a police officer, military dude, man, aggression has been the way that I've been taught to handle your scenarios, to handle your situations. And sometimes that stuff has come home and I hurt my boo. Sometimes that stuff has come home and, and as a pastor, I get aggression. I correct people too sternly sometimes and I forget that people are, are just children. <laughs> They just are adults, children. They got issues, and so you gotta let, don't let don't let anybody or anything steal your joy and make you angry. Anger is a root, bro, that will destroy your witness better than more than anything. And I wish someone had told me early on, bro, watch your anger, bro. You know, you, you that's that what made you an awesome officer, an awful football player. What made you an incredible, credible, like head hunter, hungry dog for football? It's not what you need to be all the time with folk. And folks, sometimes people need the dinner warrior. And my favorite question, have you lied about any of the answers today? Who is holding you accountable? Every man needs three men. You need a father, you need a Barnabas, and a Timothy. You need somebody you can shut your mouth and say yes, sir, to that loves you and want to cover you. That, that will cover you as a father, not taking stuff from you that want to cover you and anoint you and prepare you for destiny. You're the Barnabas. Carl Kellogg is my Barnabas. We pray every Thursday together, and uh, we've been holding each other accountable for 30 years. Somebody ain't impressed with your title. Somebody ain't impressed with that you got money. Somebody that will correct you, and you can stand up and let them inspect your life. Somebody that you can give your wife's phone number to when you're out of order, and they trust you to call you and put you back in order. Someone that can say, hey, bro, you know you ain't right, so I'm going to hold you. Somebody who will inspect you, like you go to get a prostate exam and you leave feeling violated. I'm like, dang, dude, that dude just violated me. But that's what your real friends do. They violate you to help you. They got to hurt you to help you. And lastly, who you pouring your life into? Who you giving your life to? Who are you showing? Who are you standing up and say, hey, uh, let's go. Let's go follow Christ. And as I follow him, you follow me. And whenever I start following him, you start following me. But come on, get right here. Get here. Get in that hip. I'm going to show you. I'm going to lead you. You need to tell me who you leading, who you being accountable for, and to, and covering them. That's how you do this thing, bro. We're better together. But you got to come together to be better. I, I can relate to all, all of that, especially the anger side, because I, I struggle with that so much, especially on that athletic field. I did. I didn't know how to, you know, differentiate that. 
But everything that you were saying, I, you basically just summed it up. Share the gospel at all times and at times speak. At times use your words. That, wow. Like if you don't, if you don't listen to that, that is, you're missing, you're missing the whole point there. And I, I heard another quote. It said, your actions speak so loud that I can't hear the words that you're saying. Listen, come on, boy. If you, if you <laughs> say everything, if, you, if you're saying, if you're preaching one thing and t- doing something that's not even close to what you were saying, that's not hypocrisy. right. And that's not the way Jesus that's lived. hypocrisy, dude. Exactly. And brothers, listen, brothers will respect you if you stand on what you, what you, what you say by what you do. But if you don't... They have no respect for you, so you really shooting yourself in the foot, you know. If you know, I got I I, I love those. Super. Some brothers on our team knew they were living right, and they say, "Hey, Rev, I ain't living right. I ain't coming in chapel. Leave the dome, though. Leave the dome." <laughs> so they come sit outside the chapel, right? I need it. one of them specific. I don't call his name. He said, "Man, bad kids need the Lord too." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Oh, like. Okay, bro. You're right, dude. I'll leave the door open for you, man. He say, word. He say, chap, that was a good word, man. That was a good word. That was a good word, man. I need that word, bro. But I can't, I can't stay away from them hoes, man. <laughs> Forgive me, man. Forgive me, bro. I'm just keeping real, man. Them brothers will keep it real with me, man. They be like, man, man, I be trying, man. I be trying, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> I gotta laugh. I gotta. I, I respect them, bro. See, I respect somebody like that, man. I do. I, I may not necessarily agree, but I'm like, I can respect the brother, man. And just keep it real. Just keep it real, man. Don't be faking and shaking, man. In, get in, or out. Get, get in or get out. Ain't no gray, bro. Yeah, that's so true. So for for people listening, can you explain the steps that I mean, maybe you took or maybe that you've heard to share the gospel with? the teammates that may not know Jesus or people around them that may not know Jesus? It's always three parts. If you can remember just three steps, before, during, and after. What were you like before you met Christ? What was the process of finding Christ or having Christ become real in your life? And three, what's after? Give me, give me the 30-second version of it. Mom was a prostitute. Dad was a heroin addict. Man, I was stuck on stupid. All I wanted to do play football. I got involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, man, around some guys who taught me how to live my life and share the gospel, man, and and live what I've learned and to learn what I live. And as a result of it, man, I've been living the best life I can imagine. Got married. I've done some amazing things. Graduated. Got some way, some wonderful kids and Christian principles. And I have broken the cycle. Of, of, of poverty and addiction in my family. And, and the, the legacy lives on with me because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, you said it 30 seconds and it wraps everything up that's happened in your life. You, I mean, you've spoken to so many people. You, you were the chaplain of the cults. You were on a ra- reality TV show for crying out loud. What is, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned about how God uses us for his purpose. Wow, wow. The, probably the biggest lesson is that, wow, your gifts will get you in rooms, but your character will keep you when you get there. Mm. And because your character keeps you in the room, he opens more rooms for you. He just opens more rooms for you. 
you know, when I planted this church uh, four years ago and the pandemic hit us and it just decimated our infrastructure. It decimated. Uh, and then my lack of experience, racism, building a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped, outreach-focused church with no budget, no money, no covering, just on faith was difficult, very difficult. But God has has done something as a result of it that on the back end, man, I've helped so still so many people. The building that we're in is getting ready to be sold to another church, and I'm probably going to transition and, and do like a, re- a recovery center. And I don't know how we've been dreaming about it. And every everything that I've done thus far is just because I've just had faith to believe for God to do just his will with our lives. And he has just directed us to some doors because of the character and how we've been living that just makes room for me. Another opportunity, another thing that God is doing. And it's totally on faith, bro. Listen, I, I didn't come to Indianapolis thinking I would be the coast chaplain. I had no desire to plant a church. Somebody said, man, I've been working with men all over the world. Man, I'm a men's guy. That's what I do. And God allowed us to be able to use our not-for-profit to help the less fortunate. And so now what he's going to do, bro, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. But I do know one thing. I'm going to stay faithful doing what I'm called to do today. And what I'm called to do today will make room for my tomorrow. And so I'm going to love my wife today. My, 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 my new slogan, when people ask me how I'm doing, I used to say I'm blessed to be a blessing. I don't say that no more. My statement is I'm breathing. I'm breathing. I woke up this morning. I am breathing. Now, Lord, let me use my breath to praise the Lord. Let me use this day. Let me maximize. Let me love my wife so good that this is my last day. Wherever my feet are at. If I'm getting to do an interview, let me be all the way there. Let me, whatever I get to do today, Lord, maybe I give you glory as a result of it. Some of my buddies, I'm going to his funeral tomorrow. His name, he was 53. I mean, 63. His name is uh, Guy East. Golly, most godly man. Love God. And had a massive heart attack. Some of my best friends, man, that I grew up with, going on to heaven. And I'm thinking, I'm in my 60s. I'm thinking, so I got a lot less days ahead of me than I do behind me. And if I, if I, if, if I could say one thing about young brothers, don't take for granted where your feet are at today. Make them work where you're at. Wherever God plants you, be faithful right there. We get so busy planning about tomorrow, we forget to celebrate the day. It's amazing this society is when Tony and them won the Super Bowl. First thing they ask him, first thing, can you do it again? I love Tony's response. He said, can I enjoy this one right now? Can I just enjoy it today, right now? And so I woke up breathing. Me and Mama had our study. I got with my brothers. I went to work out a little bit, and I was witnessing to the people in the gym and coming here, thinking, dude, I get to do a podcast. I ain't done a podcast in a while. Let's, let's give God some glory. Let's do some social media stuff. You know, we'll take my granddaughter to uh, out to do, build a bear. Me and my wife going to spend the rest of the day. To, bro, then I, I, we had a great day yesterday at church, and, you know, you know God was just blessing the man. We, I, I cooked a bunch of re- meat and stuff. I love family church, man. I'm spoiling rotten. Pastor Jay be cooking up some stuff, boy. I'm telling you, I just follow them, just love them right where we're at, man. Wouldn't it be amazing? You know, you, I told my wife, I said, man, it wouldn't be so rude. I'm, I take you to this really upscale, really fine restaurant, and I spend the whole time looking at every other woman in the place. 
I have to be such an insult to you. I said, baby, I got my eyes locked on you. And nothing else matter right now. I ain't put my cell phone up. Hey, you the you the best thing in the house. Come on, girl. Come on, big daddy. Ooh, be where your feet are at, man. Yep. Yep. Amen. Pastor Ken, this this was awesome. This was such a great interview, and I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Oh man, I'm humble, man. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that this young, dumb, young bro, God, using technology, using his life to proclaim the gospel. I just pray that this old, crazy, poor black dude from the hood who on his way to heaven, love God, only claim to fame, only claim to fame, is I'm just stupid enough to trust a God to take me in places that I ain't really sure where, you, where I'm going. But every single time I get there, I couldn't have imagined how wonderful it would be and how wonderful it has been because simply we just trust you, God. So someone that may be listening to this, God, that have tuned in and because of some of the humor, they've stopped. And I pray that for the storms that they may be going through in their lives, for some challenges they may be having with some loved ones, for some disappointment they may have had as an athlete that got cut or, God, you know, they didn't make the team or things didn't work out right. Let them get back up on that horse. Let them get back up in life. And because they are breathing, they got another opportunity to work out. They got another opportunity to get it right. They got another opportunity to make that thing that they thought was meant to break them, the very thing that drives them to shape them. So God, may you use the storms of our life to clear a path of all the destruction and all the things that Satan would try to put as obstacles in our way. And the very thing we think is meant to discourage us has literally smoothed the way for us. So God, may someone really hear that today and God give you glory as a result of us using this technology to proclaim the awesome gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Pastor Ken, thank you so much. All right, well, for all the listeners out there, please share this episode, leave a rating, and follow us on social media at Competing for Christ Podcast. But if you don't get anything else from this episode, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you all next time.